You're listening to the Airline Briefing, the industry affairs podcast from IATA, keeping you up to date with the most vital issues facing aviation today. Welcome to another industry affairs podcast. Today, we're looking at the issue of unruly passengers. Um, This is something that's uh, been in the news quite a lot from time to time over the last few years. And interestingly, um, this is a very live topic uh, for, for, for the industry at the moment. So we're going to discuss this with with uh, two guests today. Our usual guest, Sebastian Mikos, is with us, our Senior Vice President for Member External Relations. Good morning, Sebastian. How are you doing? Good, mo- good morning, Chris. Well, thank you very much. Excellent, excellent. And also we have with us Tim Colhan, who's Assistant Director at IATA in, in the External Relations team. Good morning, Tim. Hi, Chris. So Tim uh, is uh, really the guy that's um, been leading our work on this. So we're going to come to him in just a moment to get into the, the nitty gritty. But um, first, I want to kind of set the scene on this because with with traffic, you know, demand way down, passenger numbers are way down. And obviously a lot of people are concerned about COVID and so on. It seems odd that we'd be focusing on the issue of unruly passenger behavior. Um, but in fact, it, it is a serious issue. Why is this such an important issue for airlines right at the moment, Sebastian? Uh, Chris, when, when thinking about this podcast, actually, it, it, it was really surprising because despite a 90% decrease of traffic, uh, we see more and more cases of unruly passengers, and we have to take it extremely seriously, I think for two main reasons. Reason number one is that we um, we are always uh, all about safety. Uh, of course, part of the safety is the comfort and the feeling of, of safety by our passengers. It's not only about the procedures uh, uh, of flying the plane, but how you behave inside the plane. And then the second reason is that we have a changing environment. What I mean by that is that, you know, at every crisis, unfortunately, there is more and more procedures which are added to the planes. Due to COVID, we have a lot of obligations of wearing masks, uh, having distancing whenever possible. I mean, cleaning hands, everything that our crew from our airline members have to enforce, which, of course, I understand sometimes can create a, um, like an emotional reaction. But w- w- given that we are a business, we have no choice but to comply to these rules. We, we wanted to underline and I wanted to underline today that we take this unruly passengers uh, problem extremely seriously, particularly when we see the light at the end of the tunnel, that there will be traffic returning and having more and more passengers coming back. So actually, with this new constraint, to some extent, if I can say, we have to behave even better and in a more responsible and in a more uh, inclusive way, because we are all in this one confined space of the plane, flying together for a few hours. So it's even more important than before to just behave in a responsible uh, in a responsible way and obey to what the crews are asking. So that's that's those two main reasons. Yeah, I think yeah. your point there about the crew issue is, is absolutely vital, isn't it? I mean, they are there to to protect our safety and, and deserve our respect. Um, so, you know, what is the biggest cause of unruly incidents at the moment? Uh, what, what, what What's the main issue that we're facing? So the, 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 main, the main issue we are facing is actually, um, um, if I say, uh, non-compliant behavior with 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 the wearing the masks and and following the 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 rules uh, um, uh, of um, hygiene. So 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 the 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 rules that were established because COVID has arrived. And you know, I can understand. I myself understand that not wearing the mask uh, is more comfortable than wearing the mask, particularly if you need to keep it for a few hours. The problem is that we have done very serious scientific analysis and. 
you have no way to have a social, physical distancing in the plane. Therefore, you have to absolutely obey, to strictly obey to the rules of the mass, because that's what makes us all uh, safe when we fly. And this is why we can restart the flying. So this, this, you know, but we have some airlines. I have statistics in front of me. One of our members told us that there is a 55 increase in unruly incidents and more than 200% increase in offloads despite much lower traffic. So this is why we dedicate this topic today to, to really a broad audience to explain that, that we will comply to the rules and this is our job to comply to the rules because we want our business to, to restart despite these new constraints. So I'm going to bring in Tim at this point. So Tim, you know, you obviously work closely with, with the airlines on this issue. Um, why is this particular issue of mask wearing such a problem for for the cabin crew at the moment you know what why does that pose a particular challenge yes it's a great question i think uh, and obviously the, the first point is it's not just in the air we want to try and wherever possible um maintain uh the fact that you know to keep keep bad behavior or, or non-compliant behavior on the ground so it's very easy on the ground if somebody doesn't comply they 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 refuse to wear the mask we can stop them boarding the aircraft or we can uh, offload them, as Sebastian mentioned earlier. But of course, when it's on board the aircraft, it's a different matter. And what we see sometimes is that passengers will comply throughout the airport process, through the boarding process, uh, but then uh, not comply on the aircraft. And that's that's that makes it very dif difficult because we have to remember that uh, an aircraft is a, is quite a unique uh, a new unique environment to operate in. And of course, we do train crews to try and de-escalate situations, to explain to people, um, you know, why we're asking them to wear masks. Um, and we have solutions uh, and airlines train their crew to, to, to utilize warnings, et cetera, warning cards. Uh, but of course, there are times when, when passengers simply don't follow the instructions. Um, and of course, as you mentioned earlier, this is our number one issue is, is health and safety of everybody on board. Um, and therefore, we need everybody to comply. Uh, so it's a tough issue. It's, a, it's another issue that our cabin crew have to deal with on top of all of the other um, uh, work that they've got to do to ensure our comfort and safety. So that's why we're asking everybody to comply with those rules, however difficult it might be. The question, I suppose, is what, what is the last resort for airlines when they're faced with an unruly passenger like that? Is it, you know, you've talked about the de-escalation techniques, but ultimately, is the option to have to basically turn the flight around and offload the passenger? Is that is that the sort of thing that we we see? As a last resort, Chris, yeah, that is that is exactly uh, what can happen. Um, the captain, the commander of the aircraft has the authority to even restrain a passenger who, who is, for example, not following instructions or is becoming violent and, and unruly um, in response to those requests. And we have seen that. We've seen issues between passengers as well. So some passengers that are complying, others that, that, that are not. And that causes uh, issues. And we've seen sort of uh, physical altercations. So in those cases, uh, of course, the, the, the captain has the ultimate authority to divert the aircraft for the safety of everybody on board. Um, and I know that Sebastian has uh, personal experience of having to deal with those kind of issues. Yeah, I mean, Sebastian, you, you're a former CEO of an airline. I bet you had to deal with these exact issues. What well, What's the consequences for, for your airline? Oh, you know, the, the, the first consequence is just... Uh, 
uh, um, uh, terrible uh, stress uh, for, for the passengers on board of the plane. Because imagine you have a 300, 400 plane, which is turned because of one passenger or maybe two. Uh, so everybody on board actually feels unsafe. This is exactly against uh, our main principle of, of assuring safety on, on board of the plane. Uh, and, and, and of course, it, it creates, uh, particularly when, when it comes to physical violence, uh, that creates a, just, a, just a health risk. Um, you know, we have three levels of, uh, of, of, of um, unruly passengers' uh, behavior. Hopefully, th this, this, um, this higher level where you have to turn the plane around is, is, is not the most frequent uh, um, that, that happens. But when it happens, and it happened to me when I was working for, for, for the airline, uh, for a lot actually, uh, is that when you have a long haul plane, for example, which is diverted, so uh, we forget that on top of this discomfort of passenger, there are massive costs and disruption of the network. A plane that is turned around uh, needs to drop the fuel because it doesn't arrive to the destinations, which is which is the first cost. Then the crew is losing, of course, uh, the time and it doesn't land. Uh, it doesn't land at the airport when it should be landing normally. It's very rare that when you when you turn a, a plane around, um, you can land at, at at your hub airport. So then you have the the the, the problem of uh, of the of the crew um, availability because the crew ha have very strict uh, rules on how many hours they can work. So most of the time you have to cancel the crew that landed and bring a new one. And then of course you disrupt all the passengers, their connection tickets, and it's your responsibility. So you know it's the same problem uh, like when you have a storm or when when you have any other. Um, and the normal uh, uh, network uh, operations. Of course, we do it with no, no, uh, any uh, thinking economic approach. When you have an unruly passengers, you land. Money comes after the safety. So that's right. also. Let me be very clear about it. Yes. The captain it's doesn't important. count how much. When the captain makes the decision, the 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 PNL uh, profit and loss is not in his mind when he's making this decision. But then, when you run an airline, you have to have a. Um, you have to have a, a, a serious look at it because it, it costs money, discomfort and disruption. And so what was the remedy? I mean, were, were you able to to try and recoup some of that cost from the passenger? What, you what know, happens? <laughs> that's actually when I would uh, 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 revert the, the uh, revert to, to the team because he's actually Timothy. He's actually working on this. Uh, 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 legal gaps for for years, but to be to have a simple answer, no, it's extremely challenging for an airline today to actually sue somebody for for unruly uh, behavior, uh, particularly on costs, because of a, a number of uh, of legislative uh, gaps that we have. But Tim is specializing this uh, since many years, so he, he will explain what's the real problem. But I think Sebastian, one of the key problems, the key practical problems, is that um, you know the passenger might have moved on to their next destination if uh, if the police haven't haven't got hold of them. So it's very very difficult, um, you know, if they've not been charged uh, to get get the passenger back and to actually find out where to be able to take civil uh, or uh, different forms of legal action to try and recover those costs. But it is a it is something that airlines have in their options to do to be able to try and recover those costs. But it's not quite that easy. Right, because there are gaps in the legislation, right, or in, in the jurisdiction, or maybe. Uh, could, do you want to explain to the listeners what the issue is? Yeah, yes, Chris, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, so let, let, me, let me take you through this. And I think the most important thing, it's, it's the, not necessarily the gap in the legislation that's the problem. It's the issue of deterrent. 
We need people to understand that when they misbehave on board an aircraft, it is taken seriously and that they will face consequences. That's the most important matter. So an aircraft is a mobile asset. It, you know, on its flight, it can cross into multiple different uh, different countries. And so if we didn't have any international rules and there was an incident on board an aircraft, you can imagine that there would be multiple different actors who would want to take or have an interest in taking control and, and trying to prosecute a passenger. So it could be the state where the aircraft is registered, where the airline is registered. It could be the state where the unruly passenger comes from, the state where the aircraft lands, the state where the aircraft was overflying at the time. So in order to try and uh, resolve that problem in the 1960s, states came together and they agreed an international treaty. And that treaty basically says that the state of where the aircraft is registered has the jurisdiction, the legal authority to deal with offences that have been committed on board that aircraft on international flights. What does that mean in practice? It's okay if uh, if an aircraft and we let's let's use an example uh, because we use an example taken from last last year where there was an incident on a flight from Amsterdam to Ibiza. If an incident occurs on that aircraft and it's registered in uh, in the Netherlands, uh, the incident is dealt with on board the aircraft. The captain decides to continue to Spain uh, to Ibiza. The the police meet the aircraft. They look at the issue and they say, you know, this is a Dutch registered aircraft. I don't have jurisdiction as a Spanish authority under the international treaty to be able to deal with that. And what that normally means in practice is that passengers are released without charge. And our airline members tell us that in 60% of unruly passenger cases, this is the reason why the passengers are released without charge. And it's something that we've got to deal with uh, and governments have recognised uh, that that is a problem. And so what's the solution? What 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 have governments been working on? Yeah, well, governments have recognised that there's a growing frequency and growing severity of unruly passenger incidents. Chris, um, in 2014, after a lot of industry efforts, they came together and agreed a an update, an amendment to that uh, Tokyo Convention of 1963. Um, and what that basically does is it gives the state of landing um, the the ability to be able to deal with that issue irrespective of where the aircraft is registered. So in our example just then of uh, an aircraft from from the Netherlands to Spain, it would give the Spanish authorities the ability to to deal with that issue. We've now got 25 states that have uh, that are parties to that agreement, which is good. A lot of others are in process of uh, of, of, of ratification. Uh, so I'm thinking there of the likes of France, the Netherlands, the United Arab Emirates, uh, Switzerland and many others. But it takes time. It takes time because when you sign up to an international treaty, you have to make sure your laws, your national laws are you know, compliant with the obligations of the international treaty. Um, and that means sometimes that you have to change your domestic laws. And of course, this is competing with lots of other legislative priorities and it takes time but we're getting there slowly but surely okay well that, that's that sounds very positive i mean you were mentioning there about how the the pandemic has kind of given a new impetus to this but we were seeing even before the pandemic that issues around unruly passengers the trend was was seemingly going up so presumably at that point mask wearing was was not the issue sebastian in your opinion what 
what were the main drivers of of unruly passenger behaviour before the pandemic, and and that's presumably the trend we need to be thinking about once the pandemic goes away and and the, but this issue returns. Oh, for for me, the answer is is in the statistics. You know, we are we were carrying before the pandemic four billion passengers a year. The the ticket uh, price has been divided into over the last 20 years. What it has created, it has created more and more people to have access to our industry, which was our biggest success, by the way. Now, the problem is that with this enlarged group of people accessing the plane, you have more more people who don't who are coming and not maybe used to travel and think they can they can just not behave according according to the rules of our of our industry. Uh, we, we, when we look at other statistics, 80% of passengers are able to return to flights and to flying through a survey we've done recently. Why? Because they think and they believe that wearing a mask and the fact that airlines are enforcing it makes them feel safe. So we we will not lose our business because of few guys who who, who misbehave. That 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 I can I can assure you. Despite the fact that we will carry more and more, because we hope that in the next 30 years the figure of four billion passengers will go up to eight billion, automatically the number of unruly behaviors will go up. Okay, so so delving into those statistics a bit more deeply, Tim. Um, what what were those drivers of misbehaviour prior to the pandemic? Yeah, Sebastian mentioned earlier, Chris, that uh, there are different sort of levels of of unruly behaviour that that um, that are reported. So, the good news is that the vast majority of the incidents we're seeing, and the latest statistics that we have, are about there is an incident for every thousand and fifty flights. Okay, that overall. Um, but the majority, about 86%, are what we call level one incidents. They're, they're lower level incidents that we can characterize them as antisocial behavior. So, you know, not fastening your seatbelt, um, you know, not following instruction. The good news is with those, our, the crew training can normally resolve them, no problem. But of course, we still report them because they are seen as a, a safety incident. About 10% of them are what we would call um, physical level two incidents. So we can talk there about punching and spitting or obscene or, or lewd behavior, trying to damage the aircraft safety systems. And then of course, the, the most worrying of all is the, the 3% of incidents that are, are, are what we would call life-threatening in behavior. There's, there's a real intent to, to damage, to hurt. Um, and these are very difficult situations that the crew have to, to deal with. But when we look at sort of the top three issues on board the aircraft that we see, um, it's it's mainly around failure to follow general crew instructions, Chris, um, uh, smoking uh, regulations, so failing to follow smoking regulations, and also alcohol. People automatically always assume that alcohol is the number one issue, but actually it's not. It's one of a number of factors, and I think that's a very important thing to remember. Okay, so... Uh... That that is indeed the the impression that we get. I think in the media that alcohol is the the big one. You know, everyone sort of have, loves to report on bad behaviour. And of course, with with social media and phone cameras and so on, you know, you get a lot of incidents of people recording these incidents of bad behaviour. What what can we do about the alcohol thing? Because you know, if I can if I can pose a tricky question to you, if you like, I mean, airlines are sometimes accused of not taking this seriously we, we we're happy to sell alcohol on board um in a business lounge it's given away free so i mean is it a fair criticism that actually we don't take the alcohol issue seriously airlines do take this seriously our ceos of our member airlines 
agreed a resolution uh, on this matter um, back in 2016. I mean, it is an issue that we're facing on a daily basis. So it's it's up there. Um, and one of the particular aspects there was about the, the safe and responsible service of alcohol training for crew. Um, and that's a key ask that we ask of all of our members. Um, but the uh, I think crew are also trained to sort of spot people that have had too much to uh, you know they use um, best practice from the hospitality industry with a kind of a traffic light system um, but it's one of a, a number of, of, of different issues and airlines can't solve this problem of, of, of drinking as you said Chris uh, alone um, you know we can't you know it's very difficult for crew to for example to stop people bringing on board duty free and opening on board the aircraft um, you know without Without the knowledge of the crew, they've got other things to do as well. So how do we deal with that? This requires a multi-stakeholder approach. It requires us to work with airports, police, governments, duty-free operators, restaurant operators to really get our arms around this issue and to understand that, that, that what they do can have an impact at 35,000 feet. We need everybody pulling in the same direction. And to that point, we've had some good uh, successes. We've worked, for example, in the UK on a a, a um, particular initiative called the One Too Many campaign. And again, that's driving this message about, about the personal responsibility. We want you to have a good time. We don't want to stop you drinking. We don't want to be draconian. But you have to understand there's a personal responsibility element. And using social media uh, use, throughout the airport, uh, reminding people in the airport on uh, flight information displays, in lounges, in the duty free and indeed you know one of the good things that we've seen was the use of uh, security sealed bags in the duty free to stop people as a physical barrier to try and stop people opening uh, their duty free on the aircraft these are some of the initiatives that came out of it and the good news is we were starting to see some impact uh, and then the pandemic hit so not just the uk we've done this in other parts of the world and we stand ready to work with those stakeholders to, to really try and get our arms around this problem yeah, indeed. And uh, yeah, Tim, you and I have been working on those programmes and I think they were definitely having an effect. Uh, so that's uh, something that hopefully we can return to. But the, uh, as you say, the pandemic has, has come and, we, you know, this mask issue is, is as, as you pointed out, Sebastian, that's really the key, the key issue that we're facing at the moment. So I suppose I'd like to conclude, Sebastian, maybe, you know, a final message from you to our listeners, who I'm sure uh, have never behaved badly on a plane, but they may have seen you may have seen some bad behaviour. So, what would be your message to to all our all our customers if they're hopefully going on a flight soon, as as we hopefully get out of this pandemic? Mask wearing is going to remain with us for a while, I think. What's your message to those people and and all our listeners? Uh, my my message would be please understand and convey around you that we do not make those rules of masks. We want our industry to restart. So apologies for the, any discomfort that it creates, but we really believe that as a business of freedom, we need to respect uh, the, the safety rules. Uh, so don't, don't be offended at crew. They are stressed enough in those, in those new situations. Just please understand that this is part of the game. The same way we change the rules of, of, of security controls after 9-11, uh, and sometimes it's perceived as, uh, you know, over, doing things no it's not that that are the rules this is why we can carry uh, people from one point to to another in in safe conditions so that would be my my end message well thank you very much for that sebastian yeah let's hope we'll all be able to relax the rules once we've beaten this awful virus and and we can relax and enjoy the flight um tim sebastian thanks so much for your time today 
Um, and uh, to our listeners, uh, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, they'll be coming out on a regular basis. Uh, the subscribe uh, option is available on all your normal podcast providers, Spotify, Google, Apple, and so on. So um, hope to uh, catch you on the next podcast soon. Thanks very much. You've been listening to The Airline Briefing, the industry affairs podcast from IATA. For more information and the latest news on all the most crucial issues facing aviation today, go to iata.org or follow IATA on social media.